Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. What is going on, everybody? Hope y'all had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 79 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. A few awards I'd like to get to before we get going. Uh, last year, we announced the winners for the Beautiful Beast of Sports on the podcast, and we're going to do the same again this year. Uh, the Beautiful Beast of Sports Board of Directors were three players each year across the U.S. in three separate categories, MVP, Ambassador of the Year, and Volunteer of the Year. They do so to encourage their youth to excel in being student-athletes on and off the field. Here are this year's winners. First, the Volunteer of the Year went to Lana Hendrickson from Porter, Texas, as she was recognized for giving back to others and her community. Congrats, Lana. Uh, Next up was the Ambassador of the Year Award, and Kayla Vaughn of San Diego, California, was this year's recipient. Kayla was recognized for all she does for the Beautiful Beast Nation. Great work, Kayla. Finally, this year's MVP goes to Keller Lambeau out of Downers Grove, Illinois. Keller epitomized Beautiful Beast Nation's values throughout the year. Awesome work, Keller, and again, congrats to all three. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with three-time ISF World Champion and Softball New Zealand Hall of Famer, Marty Grant. Marty had an absolute amazing career. As I just said, he won three ISF World Championships with the New Zealand Black Sox in 1996, 2000, and 2004, with the one in 2000 coming from a no-hitter in the finals for Marty. He is a three-time ISC All-World selection and also captured the 1996 ISC World title with the Tampa Bay Smokers. For all he accomplished in his career, Marty was inducted into the New Zealand Softball Hall of Fame back in 2015. We're going to talk to him about getting a start in the game in his hometown of Nelson, coming over to North America to play on the ISC circuit, those memorable ISF wins with the Black Sox, and much, much more. Marty was such a pleasure to chat with. As someone who watched him from far over the years, it was really cool to be able to sit down and talk with an absolute legend in our game. With that being said, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. What I'm feeling Ain't never felt this freedom I got the world in my palm Like camera action and song Ain't never felt this freedom Could you, could you say that anything goes Anything goes Anything goes Anything goes Anything goes Anything How are you? Good. How's it going? Good, man. Long, Long time no see. Yeah. Happy New Year. Oh, you too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Man, you walked through the door there and I was like, man, we haven't seen each other in no, a long time. I have a full head of hair. Yeah. No, you don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Crazy weather. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so it went from 
warm yesterday, snow this morning, snow all day. Now it's raining. Yeah. It's a mess out there. It's funny how we talk about the weather quite a bit. We do. On this podcast. Well, it's our, our province, our weather is a mess. It's ridiculous. And, it's, and I was saying, I was telling you when you were looking at the app before we started recording, I said, uh, look at the Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're like, feels like minus 30, but yeah. Monday morning we're plus six. <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? Like, come That's on. That's why you got to get your shit shoveled because everything's going to freeze. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. But uh, you guys are back on the ice? Um, yeah, we started back uh, Monday just practicing. Yeah. Uh, and it has to be half ice because you're only allowed 10 in a group. Right. So nine kids in a coach, nine kids in a coach or whatever it is. But um, it's still good. I mean, I won't lie to you. A lot, a lot of our half ice practices have been going really well. It's just almost like they're passing the puck more crisp and getting shots on net. Small area, man. It is. It, yeah. It, it does make a difference. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. I don't think kids do anything over the holidays because those kids are bagged and we're not even skating them hard. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. And they're 13. Like, come on, man. They're on their phones. Yeah. But their thumbs are really like thick and muscular. From <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but it is good to be back on the ice. Um, I don't know. Projection is the end of the month for being back full time yeah. like for games and what have you. But right now, COVID's a, I know, I know we don't like to talk about COVID, but holy shit, it's messy. I know. <laughs> and you know what though? It's messy, but. People aren't getting sick. Right. It's just, it's like Scof said, Scof had COVID over the holidays and he had to quarantine for 10 days. Hmm. And I asked how he was feeling and stuff. He said, I feel fine. It, it's a sin that someone has to tell me that I'm sick. Wow. I'm not sick. Wow. But someone told me I am. So I have to quarantine Man. for 10 days. Yeah. It's crazy. Sucks. Sucks. I mean, I get the whole gist of it, but at the same time, well, a doctor came out today, we were just talking about it and said that there's more admissions with kids with flu than there is with COVID. COVID? Yeah. yeah. It's at this point, I think we're at the point where like, come on, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this new variant obviously isn't what the variants were at the beginning. Well, I don't know if that's the case because they're saying the people that are vaccinated, it's not affecting them as much. Oh, okay. So okay, I think yeah. that's the big thing. So okay. the people that are getting vaccinated, obviously hats off because they're not getting sick right. or getting sick at all. Right. Like you said, Matt Dudley, mm. friend of ours, he has a scratchy throat. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> you know, I sneezed this morning. Does that mean I have COVID? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like, anyway, let's it's not talk about COVID anymore. Exactly. It's like I talking mean, about Lolly for Christ's sakes. Lo yeah. Let's exactly. get off of that. Excellent. I said his name. Shit. I know. I, actually, I sent them a met him and Hilly a message congratulating them on their uh, year, yeah. year end review. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Show was pretty. Did you listen to bloopers? <laughs> yeah. It's sick. Man, the bloopers. We should do that. But I know, but we don't bloop. No, you keep them in the podcast. <laughs> Stupid bloopers. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, what else? We're Tide Fest 2022. Yes. I think it's the weekend of July 15th. July 15th weekend, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you're going to create a post and yep. try to get some teams interested and get down and play. Hopefully, I'm, knock on with Jesus. I'm, I'm sure by oh, we're playing. We're, we're playing. playing. We're playing no matter what. We're anyway, our own government. Exactly. Yeah. Our, our own, we're going to run around. Yeah. Pete Purcelli is going to be the president. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to talk about Pete with yeah. Marty in this. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, but no, uh, Tide Fest, uh, July 15th weekend, I believe you looked at your calendar. Yeah, something you? like that, yeah. Uh, Hey, if uh, you want to come down to Nova Scotia, have a good time. Weekend, Tide Fest. Tide Fest is It's a amazing. Blast. We talked about it on here before. Yeah. Uh, so much fun, man. It, it's a lot of fun, but we plan on making this an annual event. And, yep. uh, you know, the more teams we can get to kick it off, I mean, yep. hey, could start a, a good role. And, That's right. Uh, Maybe become something huge. Exactly. That's what we're hoping for. Exactly. And there's prize money being offered, of course. So yep. it's not just come down and play ball and go to Tide Fest and yep. look at chicks. I mean, yeah, look that's look it. What? <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, look for uh, look for the information here in the next couple of weeks and uh, 
you know, if you want to come, come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on over. Come on wherever. Yeah. Anyway, big guest today. That's a huge guest, man. Marty Grant. Awesome. Kiwi. Yep. New Zealand Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. Three-time ISC All-World Team. Wowzers. Won a ISC Worlds with the Tampa Bay Smokers, which we're going to talk about, of course. Uh, a lot of people probably... Saw them win that on the Fast Pitch movie. That's right. Uh, so Not that we promoted it very much. No, I know. I mean, we may <laughs> have talked to a couple of people, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to Marty. Uh, I listened to his uh, episode on Beyond the Dugout yeah. there that the boys did back in August, September, I believe, and uh, very, very good interview. Um, so uh, yeah. Yeah, really that should be good. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's get to them. Let's, might as well. Okay. Here we go. good. No more Christmas music either. All right, no. Okay. No more. All right, here we go. Marty, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Randy. Um, I just spent a little time doing a bit of research on you. I wanted to uh, apologize because I um, have been out of the game for a little while and haven't kept up with who's who, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, did a little bit of a search on your profile, so I see you're a picture too, Randy. Oh, well, I, 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 I go through the motions. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I had the 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 noofs teed off on me a few years, but uh, I, I do have I do have Kitchener in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah, well the, the noofs have done that to a few people. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. But uh, so, yeah. how are you and the family doing down in New Zealand today? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, we had a pretty busy uh, Christmas break, as you know. It's, it's uh, the middle of summer down here, so we've had a few adventures and um, been doing a bit of... Um, uh, I do a bit of spearfishing and um, free diving, so I've done a bit of that and done a bit of fishing over the last two weeks, and I'm pr- pretty exhausted, actually, and I've got to go to back to work on Monday, so... These next two days are will be relaxing and enjoying what's left of my uh, Christmas break. Nice, right on. So, uh, how's the uh, how's the COVID situation down there? Is you know you guys open up or uh, still any regulations going on? Yeah, so just prior to Christmas, um, the whole country opened back up. It's uh, uh, gone from being um, a level of lockdown in our in our maiden city, Auckland, where no one was allowed out of there or in there uh, due to the the fact that the um, we'd uh, got that the, the the strand from South Africa. Uh, but since then, um, we've had small amounts of the Omicron. I think it's the yeah that uh, type, and um, I think we're doing all right with that. And so the whole country is uh, yeah open, and people are traveling. Uh, pretty freely. Uh, there's a, a mandate uh, in most uh, public places that you have to be vaccinated or double vaxxed to gain entry to any sort of um, retail or restaurants and that sort of stuff. And other than that, it's uh, pretty free living, but we're, we've got to be very cautious. It could, um, could get a little bit rough at any time. And um, I guess we're trying to protect them. Our, uh, our hospitals and all that so that we don't overload the system and 
and cause a little bit of chaos. But yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, That's I mean, good. we're the same. Like right now, we're pretty much, uh, we're on, would you say a lockdown, Hopi? Or? It is a lockdown of somewhat. I mean, if you go travel to PEI from here, you have to quarantine for four days when you get there, regardless if you're vaccinated or not. So yeah, so it's a mean, bit of a lockdown. Yeah, we're, we're back to a, you know, we've had a lot of numbers up here right now and yeah. it's unfortunate, but I, I, I have a feeling that we're we're going to come out of it because I think people are going to realize that the this new strain isn't as, uh, you know, as potent as, as the other ones are. Yeah. Yeah, and we're all learning eh, as as we go, so it's right. um, it's a challenging time. But uh, I think what they they wanted to do was be able to, uh, I guess, give everyone a little bit of freedom over the the Christmas break because it's been a pretty tough 2021. And yeah, and given the opportunity, uh, there's very little international travel, uh, very little to none, and so it's uh, everyone's I guess out uh, enjoying their own country which is probably something that's fairly new to a lot of people where we would travel to other parts of the world and now they're they're actually uh, enjoying what's in their own backyard. Not a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's so true. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, tell us about, uh, you know, growing up in Nelson and getting your start in the game. Yeah, so um, I'm from a, a family of boys. Um I'm the the third third in the line of the boys, and when I was a youngster, we we lived in a sort of rural part of the um, of Nelson, which is uh, uh, in the top of the South Island, and um, we were always an active family, active uh, parents. We were out doing stuff. We were hunters. We were fishermen. We were we were doing anything and everything to to enjoy our lives and. Um, during the summers, um, my father used to uh, take uh, my other brothers uh, hunting. I didn't like uh, wild boar hunting. That's what they were into. <laughs> and um, I decided that um, I didn't really like doing that sort of stuff. And so as a youngster around about the age of seven or eight, I, I decided that uh, to do to get away from having to do that, I have to find a sport. So I, I took up tennis. I took up um, – Anything that I could do to <laughs> to avoid having to go and uh, hunt with my father, and then um, my mother introduced us to to softball, and um, she had some friends that used to play, and we uh, started playing. Uh, yeah, at, at an early age, and we had a little uh, like a, a elementary school team that we used to play against other schools. And uh, there was a teacher at our school, and he uh, he was quite an accomplished player, and. He taught my uh, eldest brother how to pitch. Okay. And I, I, I had to catch him, and I was about four years younger than him, and he, he learned. He was quite a big, strong young man. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like being a catcher either. You know, it used to hurt my hand, <laughs> and I, I would sit in the backyard of uh, a family uh, home, and I'd uh, have to catch, and he'd throw, and we'd, we'd stay out until it was dark, and he'd just, Try and throw these pitches that this teacher taught him, and he became pretty good. And I, I thought, shivers, the only way I'm going to get out of here is if I'm going to um, stop being a catcher and have a go at pitching as well. So I started doing that when I was about yeah, seven or eight, and wasn't very good, but I, I liked to give it a go. And that was that was the roots of um, my introduction to the sport. And the sport of softball was in every school uh, around New Zealand in those days. So. Every elementary or primary school we called them uh, used to have a, a softball program, and 
you'd play Saturday mornings uh, against other uh, club sides or you'd be affiliated to your school and you'd go up the grades and you'd join a club around about the age of 12 and at that age you'd uh, you'd just progress through slowly and they would have representative like uh, provincial teams or we call them um, rec teams uh, would play out of each little province and yeah so it was a it was a start to something that um, I really enjoyed I, I I like the summer and playing in the warm weather and uh, you got to meet new friends and, and like-minded people. So that was really the, the introduction and the development of softball to me. And, um, yeah, uh, stuck with it for a few years, Randy, and, and enjoyed it all the way through. I, yeah, I guess you did stick with it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, how did you get into the pitching aspect of it? So um, I was um, – 12 or 13 and I used to be able to hit too. I was an outfielder but when I wasn't pitching I was playing in the outfield and um, at the, I think I played my first senior men's game when I was 12 years old or 13 years old uh, playing in the outfield and I was playing third base a little bit of infield and we had uh, adult uh, grown men that were pitchers in those days and they were um, they were very skilled and I never really got a chance you know I was uh Thought, thinking shivers, I want to play at this level and be competitive, but I also wanted to pitch, so I kept pursuing it and playing in my school teams against other schools and in my age group uh, representative teams. And then I think it was, I think it was under 18. Uh, we went to a national tournament with our, our uh, provincial team, and I was the only pitcher, and I think we had 10 players. Uh, on the team and our coach, uh, he abandoned the team. He couldn't come on uh, like two days before we were leaving. And so we had to go without a coach and we had 10 players and um, my buddy and I ended up coaching the team. Um, we were only 17 at the time. And, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were playing and um, I remember this was in 1984 and the New Zealand men's team, uh, the, the Black Sox had just returned from playing in the ISF World Championships in Midland, Michigan. And we were staying at this uh, this man's house here, uh, the whole, whole 10 of us sleeping in his basement. Jeez. We were on a budget. <laughs> I guess you were. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and uh, we had no coach. Uh, no, we were in a, sleeping in a basement and, and only nine players because my buddy broke his leg on the opening day of the tournament. Oh, and no. So, yeah, yeah, it, was, it couldn't get any worse. And then um, I remember that night they 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 felt sorry for us. And then the, the pitcher, the winning pitcher from the final of the ISF, his name is Steve Jackson. Um, the the guy that was hosting us invited him around to meet us. And he, he I remember him coming in onto the the property where we were staying at, and he came in and introduced himself. And he said, "Yeah, and." I didn't really know who he was, but uh, he started telling us, "Yeah, I was just just come back from uh, being at the World Championships, and we're uh, you know, New Zealand are now the the ISF World Champions." And uh, he started throwing these pitches uh, across the swimming pool. There, yeah, swimming pool was quite a nice little place. <laughs> started throwing these little curvy rise balls and drop balls to one of the boys across the across the top of the swimming pool, and I, I was in awe. I really was, and I thought, "Shit!" 
this guy, you know, he'd just travelled halfway around the world and um, and he's hanging out with us, hanging out with our team. And we, I think we just got beaten 25 to nothing by, by a team. We were, we were terrible. <laughs> wow. And, um, <laughs> and uh, the, the, the coach had... Uh, they they gave us we, we were getting um support from the, the local association they'd bring a guy to look after us and he wouldn't let me pitch that 25 to nothing game he said no go on the outfield we'll save you uh for the other games we don't need you to pitch this one and um thank goodness he did uh <laughs> he took me out and um i i gotta i gotta sort of guess uh, i didn't enjoy that that those results i didn't enjoy those games but uh, uh meeting that guy who was uh being a world champion yeah. and, uh, being around my buddies and they were all looking at me going, you can do that, mate, and one day you can do that. And, and I thought, you know, I don't really think so, but uh, shit, it's really cool to have him around here. And uh, he hung out with us for over an hour and sort of um, planted a little seed in, in my mind that she uh, was this guy's, uh, he, he's taken the time to come and, and spend it with us and, and he's, I guess, here because he he knows that we we love the game and we want to be here with no coach and only nine players. So I felt part of that community and felt part of the uh, the softball people. And yeah, that was that was really a desire, built a desire for me. And yeah, like I said, uh, uh, those that I wanted to be a pitcher after that. So I I ended up. Stopped playing in the outfield. I, I moved to another team in my local competition and and had a serious crack at, at pitching. And um, a year later, I, I I actually moved from my hometown. And I was a quite an accomplished uh, rugby player. I, I'd made a a national national training squad as a rugby player. Yeah, I was gonna also, I was gonna yeah, ask you about that. I, I heard you were you know, pretty heavily into into rugby. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I'd, uh, I, I wanted to have a go at anything. Like I told you earlier, I was into sport and being active. And um, it, uh, the rugby drew me to move to a place called Christchurch, and I, I moved down there and I started playing uh, top level rugby and, and trained and played with a, a lot of guys that would go on to later represent uh, our country and play for the All Blacks. Actually, so. I was in good company, and then while I was down there during a, a summer, I got invited to go and join a, a, a local softball team, and, and their pitcher, they had a Canadian pitcher at the time, and he did, he'd left and gone back to Victoria. His name was Mike Ash. Uh, he played for a club called the Victoria Royals. This was in 85. Okay, yeah. And... and um, so I, I went in there and I said, "Well, I did. I've done a bit of pitching, uh, uh, and so I ended up pitching for this local club team, and, and I, I fared pretty well. Did did quite well, and um, the coach and management of that that team um, thought, "Shit, this guy ain't too bad." I I was a bit an athlete, like I was in training for rugby. I always kept myself pretty fit and strong and stuff, and. So yeah, I started pitching seriously in the club side in Christchurch and finished out the, that next winter playing rugby and then pitched my second season full time. And this club said to me, um, look, we're not going to bring any more Canadians back to, to Christchurch. We'd uh, we'd like to invest in you. So they offered 
me a, a trip to Arizona in 1986. Oh, wow. To go and, go and uh, play. And they said, uh, you go over there um, and you'll pitch for the entire uh, off-season uh, and then we'll bring you back and you'll be our, you'll be our man. So I was yeah, just turning 20 at the time. Oh, wow. So, so, so I had to flip a coin whether I was going to um, continue to pursue a career as a rugby player or softball. And um, I, st- I still go back to remembering um, meeting that guy when I was a 17-year-old yeah. around the pool and and, um, and him saying, you know, I'm just a New Zealander gone on to play quite a high level of softball and he was a world champion and I thought, shivers, maybe that's something I want to do. So so I took up the offer. Right on. Yeah, and that, and that was my, um, that was my first uh, opportunity to travel to North, North America. I was also climbing through the ranks pretty slowly uh, on the domestic side here in New Zealand. We had, uh, in New Zealand in those days, we had a plethora of fantastic pitches. There was uh, a great number of them all through the, the country. And so I was still in the learning mode eh? and started pretty late. Uh, and uh, in my, and I was, yeah, thought that uh, the opportunity to, to go to, to North America and pitch... Uh, would would help I guess uh, increase uh, uh, speed up my my progress and yeah 1986 went to Prescott Arizona and played my first off season in North America. So did when you went to Prescott? Would, did you guys go to ISCs that year? So was '86 your first no, year? We, no, no, we didn't. Um, um, we had uh, it was a brand new team out of Arizona and. That that, uh, that that Prescott region in, in northern Arizona had, had a lot of great uh, ball teams come out of there. And oh, right. There was a little gap. Right. You had to qualify back then. That's right. Yes, yes you did. Yeah. So you had uh, a state league, travel league, you had to uh, win. And then you had to, if you didn't win that travel league, you had to go to a state tournament. And so the travel league winner and the the state tournament winner went, and I think we finished uh, about fourth or fifth in the travel league, and you know, I think we came about third or fourth in, in the tournament. So I didn't get picked up. Uh, wasn't recognised as an accomplished pusher by uh, the teams out of Arizona in those days, and so uh, didn't play in you know, the IC or the ASA. So um, yeah. But a great experience and uh, learned a lot. Played uh, behind uh, a Hall of Fame pitcher by the name of Jerry Wells out of Chris, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. He was, uh, I think he would have been about 50 then, and uh, I was 20, and he was on our pitching staff and um, learned a lot playing in my first year over there. And uh, yeah, he, He's an ISE Hall of Famer. Correct, he is, and he was a... Um, uh, 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 a monster of a man, and he used to just throw rise balls as hard as he could. Uh, that's a, that's I, I all I do. Watching, <laughs> yeah, 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 but they don't rise. Do, <laughs> but, but, mine uh, don't uh, rise, though. <laughs> They're called fastballs. And, um, I, I, I learned the basics of it from him is that you didn't give up on your best pitch, and you, you'd go with what you've got, and you 
you made it work. You made it work. And if you uh, were willing to challenge the hitters early in the count, you had an opportunity to to fool them later in the count. And so it was, um, yeah, that was my, my introduction to North American uh, softball. And then I ended up making that trip 18, 18 more times. So <laughs> I did uh, yeah, 19 seasons in North America. Wow. So it was a... Yeah, a, um, that's, a, that's a, a lot of frequent a, flyer a career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, when was your uh, what was your first ISCs? Yeah, so um, that was nineteen eighty six, and then in nineteen eighty seven, um, my brother, my older oldest brother, and I, we went to Finley, Ohio. Uh, we went there and uh, played for. Uh, I think the, they used to be called Jack and Doe's, but they were just called Finley when I was there. Uh, the IAC uh, president, it's Larry Fisher. That was his team. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so Larry was was our sponsor and coach, and um, I went there following in the footsteps of a number of other pitchers. Graham uh, Robertson went there, and there was a number of others. My, my brother pitched there for two, three years, and there were several after him, but we uh, we went there, and that that year we finished, I think, third in the travel league in Ohio, and we finished third in the state tournament. And I got picked up by a team called the Ashland Ambits, and we went to Saskatoon uh, and played in the IFC there. And I was pitching uh, with Paul Algar, so we had Paul Algar and myself and my brother. Was, was our three pitches for? Um, was Nick McCurry coaching you? Uh, no, uh, Nick oh. was with the ESS. Ah, uh, oh, right, yes. That year, yeah. and he was uh, he was playing first base with them, and they had Darren Zach and Lauren Algar. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, eighty seven, and and I played against Nick when he was he was still playing and hitting fourth in the lineup for uh, the ESS metrics nice. uh, in eighty seven. <laughs> what and, a guy! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had my uh, first introduction to, to Nick that year when I uh, first went to Ashland and, and played in the travel league with the Finley team. Uh, uh, a great man. Uh, he was um, friendly, so friendly and open and, and such a generous soul, and, but a good dude. And, and yeah. we got to hang out a bit with him. And um, we played them, and um, uh, that IC was very memorable because. Um, uh, we uh, we played um, we played ESS in uh, an elimination game that 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 tournament. Uh, so we were the little babies of uh, Ohio uh, and Ashland softball. I think we were the third team because it was Faultless Garber was another team, and ESS were the top ranked team. Right. And um, uh, I pitched against uh, Darren Zach in an elimination game, and we beat them one nothing uh, to knock them out of the IC wow. year. So <laughs> that was. Um, that was uh, uh, most memorable. They uh, Nick probably wouldn't want to talk about that one. Nick would probably talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, he would. Yeah. He would. And um, yeah, uh, when we played, I think we, uh, we got knocked out by Pencor that year, uh, okay. and um, we we were, we were beating them one nothing. And then Paulie was pitching. Paul Alger was pitching in the in the next elimination game, and. Um, uh, we were beating them one nothing. It was the fourth, and Paul had been injured uh, uh, earlier in the month. He, his, his glove hand had been um, 
broken in a car accident and he was still playing. He still played the IC that year and um, he came out and uh, he given up a two-run shot. I think it was 2-1 to Pinker and I came in in the fourth or the fifth. We shut him down, but we couldn't get another run. And so we ended up getting eliminated by Pinker or 2-1. We finished 13th that year. I remember it distinctly because it was my first IC and we'd, we'd managed to take a few scalps on the way and uh, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, inspiring stuff and uh, I remember um, some of the, the moments I remember was when that year uh, Jimmy Moore gave up, I think he gave up his first run in 57 innings of ISC softball uh, that year he was pitching for a team out of North Drift Detroit uh, he'd left uh, Seattle and, and, and Michael White went on to win the final uh, for Cedar Rapids, Iowa where they beat Decatur, Illinois, in the in the final. So, a great tournament, and yeah, it was uh, inspiring. It was uh, no doubt, yeah, something that I'd never experienced before. And Saskatoon, fantastic hosts. What a wonderful place to play ball. The best. What a fantastic place to play ball. Yeah. yeah. Now I got to yeah. ask about uh, 1989 when you were at Allcar, the 19 inning game with uh, you and Peaches, Mike Pietnik. What? Yeah, wow. That body, your body must have been a little sore the following day. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, and Randy, you know how it goes when you're get, getting amongst the game. Yeah, yeah, you, you get in a zone and and you just your arm turns over, right? Eh? It just mm-hmm. goes because you've you've done it enough. And um, that game was um, was something that I remember because too we we'd played uh, so we were both teams out of Wisconsin, right? The farm. Uh, a big uh, powerhouse Wisconsin team, and we had the all power. We were pretty good too. We had uh, some pretty good players on that team, but we'd never had a good shot at them through the whole season. Uh, they'd, they'd beaten us a couple of times in, in the travel league there and in other tournaments. And then we get into this duel, and we're on Diamond Two up on uh, in Kimberley, which is doesn't have the best lights and uh, and lighting, and, and neither of the team wanted to score a run. <laughs> oh, well, neither <laughs> team could. And uh, yeah, we got through the first seven. And uh, to be honest, we'd had a few chances. Pitches were throwing great, and and then we both just got in a groove. And then we cracked through the the tenth inning, the twelfth, the fourteenth. And I think there was a couple of times during that game where we had an opportunity to score, and we had runners in scoring position uh, several times. And we couldn't come through with that big play or that big hit. And then, um, yeah, we got, we got, to, I think we started at 10.30 and finished at about sometime after three in the morning. Or something <laughs> oh my like gosh, that. shit. And um, I just remember, it was, uh, you know, you, you weren't really concerned uh, about yourselves, but there was someone that was, I think that 10.30 game had been delayed from an eight o'clock game. So there was meant to be a 10, a game following us. And, there had been teams warming up for five hours in the outfield, <laughs> uh, trying to get ready to take on their spot on the on the field. And uh, yeah, I, I remember it because I, I remember walking in the nineteenth. Walked a guy with a one out, I think it was, to intentionally walk to create a force. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd gone through yeah, like a, a, I don't know, I think there was something like thirty six or thirty seven strikeouts that game or something. <laughs> Silly and um, getting a little bit tired, and um, you know, in, 
then I, I unintentionally walked to load the bases and I was struggling. And then in the, in the 19th year, um, walked the run in. Oh, that shit. was the the end of the game. Uh, and you yeah, devastated, really. Physically, no, I wasn't sore. Emotionally, I was a bit broken. But, right, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, and that knocked us out of the tournament. Um, but like I said, I think we had opportunities to score earlier. We didn't take them. And um, Peaches outlasted me. And, um, and, and, that was that was a real challenge, but a great opportunity. And um, it was the longest game I'd pitched to in, in ever. Uh, I think that prior to that, I'd gone 12 before. But, Man. yeah, you, you sort of remember those ones. And, yeah, Obviously. the uh, term was over. I think we finished in the round, round about 12 or somewhere around about there. But, um, yeah, that was um, – I guess that, that, that was the first time I really got – Recognised too in in the um, in the IFC play because I by uh, the year before in '88 I played for Shelbyville Indiana and uh, we were 0 and 2. I was we were gone in two games, so I actually got my first uh, yeah got first recognised as, as being a pretty pretty good pitcher when when I, when I went 19 against Pietnik and oh, no doubt the next year <laughs> next year I got um I got I got signed uh, in Decatur, Illinois. That was uh, following that uh, IC, and we went to the ASAs in Midland, Michigan. And uh, all car, we didn't take a full squad. We had a few guys that couldn't make it. We had a, a bit of a depleted squad. I, I, we got knocked around, got knocked out by, um, we got beat out by Larry Miller, Larry Miller Toyota, and I got a. Uh, uh, opportunity to meet with the um, the head of the Booster Club for Decatur Pride uh, and I went to the motel room, I opened up the door and he had a full life-size photograph of me hanging from the window uh, in my all-car uniform and right. he said, uh, excuse me buddy, this is the guy we want to play for the Decatur Pride each year I'm wanting to know if he's interested That's and, crazy Yeah Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and so um yeah, I said, um, yeah, uh, I'd certainly be interested in coming to play in Decatur. It was abuse about the opportunity, and they, they had a great, uh, they had a great uh, legacy of teams. Uh, they told me that David Scott, who was their great pitcher in the past, was no longer going to be on the squad, and that I'd be replacing him, and I'd be pitching with Brent Stevenson. And so, okay, uh, the other pitcher we had that year was uh, uh, Mike Combs. He's out of to- Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that was the start of my, um, yeah, I think it was five years I ended up playing with the Pride. Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say you were there for, for like a number of years there. But obviously that uh, that first all-world selection in, in 91 that you had with them, that must rank up there, you know, as a career highlight. <sighs> yeah, so we, uh, we, had some, we had some good years in Decatur and um, a very professional uh, outfit. And, Played with some great people. Uh, had some fantastic coaching. There was there was no um, no stone unturned when it came to them trying to be prepared because they they played in a Midwest competition and, and there there was Aurora, Illinois. There was the Sioux City that was coming on in the in the late eighties and the early nineties. Into turned into NHCD and Pencor and 
there was great softball all around mm-hmm. the Midwest. And so we were right in the middle of it. And um, opportunity, yeah, we, we, we went to every tournament that we could. We played against all the best players. They would come into Decatur, we would travel. Uh, and that's all you were looking for, right? You were looking for opportunities to test yourself. And That's the only way to get better. Uh, yeah, that's right. And the, I guess the 91 was was uh, uh, very memorable. Um, but, but prior to that, I mean, the, the, uh, earlier in 1990, I was, um, I was fortunate to, to make my first New Zealand men's team. Right. Um, and that was probably uh, 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 a more, uh, more memorable time for, for me as a Kiwi because uh, – it took me again back to those that in 1985 when you're standing by the pool watching this world championship pitcher flick the ball across the pool to one of your team, your yeah, absolutely, teammates. 100. And I was thinking, <laughs> shit, here we go. Um, here's my start. Um, I, uh, and that's an interesting story too in itself. Eh? Uh, the the New Zealand team were about to uh, embark on a internal tour of North America and. It was going to happen in July, and I was leaving New Zealand in April, and I was going to travel and play in Decatur. I hadn't made the team. Right. I hadn't made that team. They'd selected the team that was gone on that North American tour. On the team was Chub Tangaroa, um, Steve Jackson, the guy that I talked about. He yep. was a, yep. Jimmy, Jimmy Wana, who was Jimmy Seaman at the time, and... Yeah, those three. So there was those three pitches. Um, what I found out is uh, two days uh, before I was leaving, um, Steve Jackson had uh, a, a, an injury with his knee that required surgery. Uh, I'd also found out that Jimmy Warner had declined his invitation. He, Jimmy Seaman had turned it down. He was going to do a year at university. Oh, wow. He wanted to finish off his degree. So there was two spots available. They had called uh, four other pitchers uh, to try and get uh, those guys replaced. Uh, one of them was a guy named Greg Newton, uh, who uh, at the time uh, that they were making the call, uh, he was uh, on a tramping trip uh, somewhere in uh, and They couldn't reach him. <laughs> so I was about the yeah, I was about the fifth or sixth choice at the time no way they called me and, and they got me on the phone wow and um and uh i was leaving two days later and uh they said uh, uh mike walsh was the coach at the time he said look this is what's happened to us um we're we're calling you and we want to know if you're interested in joining this team in july um, uh, we know you'll be in uh, illinois and you'll have to get three weeks off or two, I think it was two weeks. It was a two week tour. You'll have to take a two week gap out of your tour with the, your team in, in Decatur. Uh, so it was, I was new there. Right? It was my first season with them. Right. So I had to make this call. So I called the, 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 the guy that, um, that I'd met in the, um, in the motel room in Michigan. And I said, look, I've just been uh, invited to join the national team. I really want to do it. Uh, it's always been a goal of mine in my life, and I, uh, I'm asking you if you're going to uh, be willing to give me two weeks out of the middle of the season in July to, to go and do it. And I, I didn't expect them to say yes, which is 
there was a lot of other guys that, that weren't available. We had guys like Graham Robertson that were having to play and stay with their, their club sides in North America. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, there was guys that weren't allowed, allowed to leave. Um, as I recall on that tour, Chubb was only available for a week. He had to go back to Glenella Brothers at the time and, and do some play with there. So you were... You were battling with with the regular season in North America and the opportunity to play for your country. Okay. Uh, Doctor Randy Van Orsling said, "Marty, we've got no problem with you doing that." Uh, and so that was yeah, that was the beginning of a, a nineteen year career with the, the New Zealand national team. So uh, it was uh, it was uh, yeah a defining moment. And I'm glad that guy was cramping down there on that track and they couldn't reach him. Uh, <laughs> on that I thank Greg Newton for that. And I, I thank Jimmy for um, for doing his study. And I, and I apologize and I feel sorry for Steve Jackson for his knee surgery. But yeah. without those circumstances, uh, I, I may never have got that shot. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, so, uh, that had to be, man, that had to be pretty, a big time in your life, you know, to be named to the New Zealand Black Sox team, mm. you know, especially, you know, going back to what you said. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was. And um, they'd, they'd come back from the ISF in 1988. Uh, they didn't, they, they lost the final to the US in 88. So there was a, a few guys that were leaving. There was a, a supposed re, reshuffle of, of the ranks and they were going to find out what they could do to, to make that team better, and I, I wanted to be part of that plan. So in, in 1990, I um, I decided to um, become an athlete. Oh, Randy, to be honest, when I was a, a young pitcher, I thought I'd just go and throw a bit of BP uh, on a Tuesday, do an extra special workout on a Thursday, like throw some spots and and do some simulated game plan. I thought that's all it took to be a pitcher, but. Uh, I found out later that if I wanted to be good enough to make that national team, I had to turn myself into an athlete. So I developed uh, a whole new training plan. I got stronger in my legs. I learned how to eat properly. I learned how to recover properly. I did all that stuff that I thought it would uh, make myself better because I didn't want to lose that opportunity because it'd been so hard to get there. Right. And, um, and I remember going away on my first trip, played against uh, New Westminster Regents in my first ever game. They were, we, we stopped in Vancouver to play uh, in some exhibition games, and that was my first ever um, internet, uh, game. Uh, they didn't count them as international. They didn't count them as right. full appearances unless you played a, a test. So a test was a game against another nation. Right. So so uh, they wouldn't register that as a full. Uh, playing recognition. So uh, I played 50, ended up playing 54 internationals against other countries for New Zealand, but I played about 200 other games against club sides, but they didn't count. So oh, okay. it, was a, it was a really interesting um, scenario. But I remember that first game uh, against the New Westminster Regents. So Terry Bell was pitching then, mm-hmm. and they had a great lineup back in those days. And yeah, managed to get my first win in my debut. Nice. Playing against them and yeah, went on and uh, yeah, that was probably more memorable. And I still remember my first ever international game. We went to Saskatoon in 1990 and we played in a tournament called the Canada Cup. All right, they yep. used to have that. Yeah, they played that there, and I my first ever international was against Cuba. Hmm. So I remember playing 
we were in the semi-final of the tournament against Cuba. And I remember getting a, a line. They, they could hit those boys. I mean, uh, uh, Cubans are hitters, and you would have seen their baseball prowess and all that over the years. Mm, yeah. As a softball team, um, they played defense and they could hit. Their pitching was mediocre to, to good, but they had great hitting. And I remember getting one off my shins <laughs> about the fourth this left hander came up, raked this one right back at me, boom, hit me off a leg. We shut them down. We beat them one nothing. Um, and yeah, that was my first uh, my first international victory. And yeah, we lost to Canada in the final uh, of that tournament. Um, my buddy Chubb pitched against a guy named Glenn Jevney, who was a, a great Canadian pitcher out of, I think he was out of uh, Alberta. Alberta. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calgary maybe. And mm-hmm. yeah, we lost two to nothing on a, on a two run home run in that tournament. But yeah, that was, that was probably some of the, some of the most memorable and defining moments in, in, in my, my softball career and stuff that I, wow. Yeah, still, definitely. Still tell the story like it was yesterday. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I was like, man, your memory is better than Marty Grant or Marty uh, Todd Martin. Marty, Todd Martin, man. <laughs> Jesus, like your memory. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> my memory. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah well, Todd Martin's yeah. memory is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I can, I can, yeah, I can, uh, and that sort of stuff. It's, uh, I mean, softball. When when I was younger and wanted to learn, and this is this is how I become. Someone that, that I just like to remember is that I, yeah. I, I, I tried to become a scholar of the game and, and uh, I wanted to learn why and how people got better. And that was the best part of my plan too in 1990 when, when I made that team. I wanted to know why the good guys were good and I wanted to know how they stayed there. I wanted to learn about Jimmy Moore and his ability to go 57 innings and not give up a run. I wanted to know how Michael White pitched shutouts mm. through the whole tournament in the 1987 IFC. I wanted to learn all that sort of stuff. And, and that took some time. Eh? And so I used to spend time at the ballpark. I used to just watch. I used to watch and learn and ask questions. I became uh, very good at uh, filtering the bullshit and uh, yeah. hearing from people. And they'd tell you stuff to throw you off their scent, you know, and I and then you buy them a couple of beers and then all of a sudden the truth comes out. And, <laughs> and uh, so it true. was how the beer tent it was how the beer tent worked because they say, well this guy's actually not here to, to just um, tap me for information. So I, I went searching for it and those that wouldn't tell I'd watch and I'd I'd learn and mm-hmm. that was part of my my, my um my my mo was uh yep. I was always at the park when I, we weren't playing. I was spending time there watching the the the, the games and and the, even the list of games. Anyone that was, if I heard someone was doing well, I wanted to go and watch them and see what they were doing. And you learned so much from it, eh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I uh, and then you had to go and experiment yourself. So when I became more uh, of an athlete and both fitter and and stronger, I I did all that fitness so that I could go and try these things and train and. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, filters the stuff that didn't work, and it, it taught me to to try and be able to match yourself. I yep. wasn't. Uh, I don't know if I had the, all the pitches, or it was as 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 astute as. Uh, but I, I I learned the game, and, and with what little physical and capabilities I did, and what the ones that I really really uh, tried to develop, I 
I, I thought that I would learn more about the game, and right and that would help me. And, and, yeah, and that sure. was the you had to love it to do that. Eh? You had to love what you were doing. Yeah, that that created uh, the fun times, and that's why I continued to do it for so for so long is because I loved loved what I was doing. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Now, mm. before we go back to the the Black Sox, I gotta I gotta ask you about ninety six win your ISC Worlds, uh, right? With Tampa Bay, I mean, we recently over the last mm. month we've we've had Shane Hunahunu on here, Nick McCurry. Jeremy Spear, creator of Fast Pitch. So, I mean, a lot of our listeners probably have that Tampa Bay Smokers team fresh in their mind from watching the film mm. and how they came across. I mean, tell us firsthand what it was like, you know, playing for the Smokers and Pete Purcelli. Yeah, yeah, well, well, that's uh, the open-ended question, and um, I'll do my best to answer it, but in, <laughs> in 1994, uh, after playing in Decatur, um, I uh, th- that brought in Chubb Tangaroa with with Wimbledon. So Chubb and I were both pitching on the New Zealand national team, and the 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 great pitcher that he was, uh, they sort of put me in the in the back seat. I, I had to sit by back and watch, uh, not watch Chubb. I had great respect for him, and I had great respect for the program. Yep, and. Uh, we went through that 94 season and we ended up finishing, I think, third or fourth at, at PEI at the ISCs. And uh, then we went to the ASAs and they were in Palm Springs. And in Palm Springs, we won the ASA. Um, we beat Orca in the ASA final that year. Chubb pitched the semi final and I pitched the final. Um, we beat Orca uh, 9 nothing. I think we had. We had about 16 or 17 strikeouts in the final. Wow. And Pete, Pete Porcelli came knocking at the door. <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd turned up at the ASAs and the ISCs that mm-hmm. year with, a, with a, a pretty mediocre team, but some, some Kiwis were on it. And he came looking for me after the final of that um, ASA, and he said, look, got this team I want to build in, in Tampa Bay, Florida. And... Um, I'm going to bring down five other Kiwis. Uh, Jared Martin, that we had, uh, who was one of the better hitters, and he was going to pitch behind me uh, there. He was going to give me the job to be at the ace. And um, I couldn't really turn it down. I, I wanted to be the front-line pitcher again. Yep. Uh, I thought that that was where I needed to go if I wanted to continue in my career. And... Uh, establish it as a, a top one pitcher. So that's where, that was how my introduction came to Tampa. In '95, we we didn't do great. We had I mean we had a fantastic schedule uh, with the Smokers, and well, we didn't do very well at the Sioux City ISC. I think we finished 22nd. Got better. It wasn't uh, because we didn't have the capabilities. We didn't know how to play as a team. Right. We had a lot of guys that were. Uh, uh, we hadn't uh, developed the culture of winning. We were we were good on paper. We were um, we were sports so right, and I think we stunk to be honest. We <laughs> had so much opportunity to to be um, to be uh, people on, on a holiday that we took it, it literally, and we didn't really savor the, the the fact that we were playing all around the country and all around Canada. And we had all this opportunity, and we 
we, we didn't compete that year in 95. 96, they changed it, brought in Todd Martin, uh, brought in um, some other guys, Todd Garcia, to catch Tim Wall. We had uh, a, a lineup that was quite formidable. I, I ended up working with Todd and we brought in Pete Sandman from Sioux City, Iowa. I think uh, we'd, we'd bolstered the crew and that crew had some really mature heads, some smarter heads, um, uh, and we started playing a similar schedule when we played really, really, really good softball the whole year. But we'd uh, had some more depth of championship caliber players and brought in David Boys, brought in Jason Hansen. So they were all yeah. guys that had played and won things before. And so that team was um, good, but, but we played. We played ball. We played everywhere. And, and we played uh, to win. And we we learned from what had happened the year before, the guys that had been there, and we decided that wasn't going to happen to us again. And uh, we let Pete Porcelli do what he liked to do. And he was very animated uh, in the way that he carried us. And um, some people, the year earlier, it affected where it became... Uh, something that drove them too, but uh, the smarter heads realised that um, yeah, that was just uh, it was just uh, stuff on the outside. The team had more heart than just this the commercial looking factory that right. played. So we we and we uh, we had a great tournament that year, and it, it was challenging. We had some battles. Uh, uh, but beat some very good teams, and yeah, you beat some very good pitchers like that. You're yes, holy, yes, Jesus! <laughs> yes, we did. And and uh, I watched that fast pitch film, and I've watched it several times. And and I um, I guess the 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 bits and pieces that you take out of it could could be like uh, people thinking, "What a bunch of what a bunch of jerks," you know, but. Uh, Right, there were good people in there, and they were just taking advantage of opportunity. And yeah, I think even Porcelli did that in, in his own in way. But um, little did we know the source of what where where he was coming from. I didn't. His motivations were totally different to to some of us because we had other things that we were doing. I mean, we were still traveling. The Kiwis were still traveling back to New Zealand and having to live um, a softball life back there or a regular life there. And right, people had the off season, so it was. Um, yeah, it was just a, a great uh, a great opportunity. And you know, they, they say um, softball's about failure, you know, and mm-hmm. they say that's what sport's about failure. But if I really, you know, uh, I've got a good friend who I'll quote, uh, um, he's my old coach and old teammate. His name's Don Tricker. And he says, this, this sport and baseball, they're about opportunity, you know, and it's those that know how to take it and <coughs> take those opportunities and turn them into um, – into good things, and right? So that's what we did that year, and yeah, we 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 um, on the surface we uh, we might have upset a few people, but we're a very good team, and we played to our true potential that year, and uh, hence the result. And um, yeah, I'm very proud of that that effort and that team, and and what we did. Yeah, for sure. And that you just mentioned Don Fricker. He's with the San Diego Padres, yeah. Padres is he not? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, he's a he's a guy that um, 
uh, mentored me through my uh, uh, early playing career in New Zealand when he was co- uh, my teammate and coaching. Uh, and then I, um, still now I, I get good advice from Don, and he's uh, he's one of the player execs in uh, the San Diego Padres program now, and he's been there for two years now. He's, uh, yeah, we stay in touch, and yeah, that was one of his things, and uh, I guess when you take, you can think about it, if you wanted to turn uh, failure into a positive thing, it's opportunity, right? Yeah, for sure. Man, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Now, uh, I found it interesting after, you know, uh, I heard your episode with Chopper and Damien on Beyond the Dugout. I got to ask about the going through the, I think you called it like a 10-year apprenticeship where you kind of had to pay your dues. <laughs> Before yeah. getting to to a big playoff game with the Black Sox, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Chivers, um, and, and I pay um, utmost respect to to all the players that I've pitched with and all the pitchers that have uh, been on teams with me. But I mean, you got to earn the right to get the ball right. Sometimes, you know, when you get into those. Uh, uh, high level teams, uh, you've got to earn the right to get the ball. And, um, I was uh, made my made my debut in uh, 1990, um, and uh, pitched the semi final in um, in that Canada Cup against Cuba. And there was other tournaments that would go to, and I went to the 1992 ISF uh, tournament with the New Zealand team. Um, at, at that stage, I was on a, in a lineup where we had Michael White, Peter Merritt, and Chubb Tangaroa pitching in front of me. So I was the fourth string. And um, when we got to the playoffs, I thought I was going to just camp myself in the dugout and help make sure everyone was hydrated and they needed any gum or any sunflower seeds. That would have been the job. <laughs> uh, maybe put a helmet on and go and sleep the bats every now and then. Um, but I. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that after we got we were playing Canada in that final that um I I I got called into the game in the fifth inning. I wasn't ready. Um I thought they'd go to Meredith after Chubb got knocked out. Journey Hedinger with a two run shot, take a two one two one lead against us um in the in the fourth. And I thought, you know, I'm just gonna sit here and he'll get Whitey to Michael White to come in on Meredith. And um uh, Coach goes, uh, Marty, they haven't seen you before. You're in. Um, I wasn't mentally prepared. Uh, I, I hadn't prepared myself. Uh, uh, I went in there and um, my warm up, so I think I must have been throwing it as hard as I could. It was just under lights uh, in that game in, uh, in this big baseball field in Manila. And I was throwing these rise balls like Randy and uh, Jerry Wells. I just throwing as hard as I could. And um, it was going all over the place. And I came in, uh, ball one, ball two, ball three, ball four. Walked the, walked the lead off in the fifth. Um, then um, Mark Sorensen's my catcher, and he's looking in the dugout to the head coach, probably thinking, what the hell are you doing with this guy in here? I first pitched to the next batter in the bunting situation for a rise ball to try and get him to pop up. This rise ball is about a, a meter above the bat. Time he calls it out. I get dragged up throwing five pitches in the final of the IEC. Um That was my um, that was my debut in playoff <laughs> ball. Um, wow! Uh, I got the hook. 
yeah, got the hook pretty quick too. And um, we brought Michael White in. He had enough. He had, uh, five, the five pitches I tried had barely given him enough time to warm up. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was it. And I, I didn't get another shot at it. I mean, I, I was still on that team for a, a, a long time after that. Guys, and I didn't, I didn't get another shot at a playoff game. We went to the '96 ISF. Um, I pitched five games that tournament. I got to pitch against Denmark. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I, I was, I was the stock pitcher, but they didn't, they, they didn't really think that I had the, the capacity to be prepared. And I'd been training myself. I, I knew I had to get ready. Uh, but and I, and I was trying to convince them that we still had great pitches in front of me. We had Tongaroa and Michael White for several years after that, and a number of other good ones. And it wasn't until um, Whitey uh, decided to become a U.S. citizen uh, resident, and he got made the uh, USA national team in 2000. And Chubb retired. Chubb Tongaroa retired. Uh, and there I was. I was left Meredith, Meredith pitch for the U.S. in 2000 as well. So um, I was the last one of those four from 92 left. Wow. And uh, Don uh, Don Tricker was the coach that year. And he said, Marty, you're, gonna, you're the man uh, if you want it. And we had Paul Alger, who mm-hmm. was great, pitching great in, in North America. He he didn't do much back in New Zealand. He hadn't come back much. Uh, we were still two feet on the rubber in those days, Randy. Uh, so right. You, <laughs> couldn't, you couldn't do you couldn't do your um, hop, skip, and a jump exactly. like the Scotians do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, had, you, you, you had to you had to pitch uh, ASA uh, New Zealand rules, two feet on the on the, the rubber, and I was still doing it because I was pitching back in New Zealand every year, and. Um, uh, that pitching staff that year was Paul Alger, Greg Newton, myself, and Jared Martin. And we uh, we went to South Africa and got my first playoff game in eight years mm. in IAC. <laughs> and um, playing Canada in the quarterfinal. And we're, uh, we're in the shits. We're about the sixth inning. And I think we were up by two, three. And they had a good team. And they had... Um, Todd Martin pitching, uh, hey, uh, Underhill from Brad, yeah, uh, uh, no, not that's not Brad Underwood, Underhill, Nick. From, oh, Nick Underhill, yeah, Nick Underhill, <clears throat> Nick Underhill, yeah. and they had, I think, Darren was there too, I'm sure he was, but he was struggling, he was struggling because he had to do that two feet on the road. They were all struggling, so they, they were all challenged by that ISF rule at the time, mm. and um. Uh, but the, it was close in the sixth, and, and I was getting a bit of trouble. And and I was trying to throw rise balls, and um, the coach called timeout, and I said, "Look, I, I can't get my rise ball going." He says, "Look, I know you, you you're not confident in your other pitches, but they're good enough." And he said to me, "Now, where would you rather be uh, right now? Would you be here with your mates behind you that are going to field anything that you get, give them? They'll give you anything." You uh, give them a chance to make a play, and they'll get you an out. Throw the drop ball, even if it's if it's low enough, we'll get a ground ball and we'll, we'll get the out. And my instinct said I've got to throw a right ball, right? And so I went back in there, and 
Adam Smith, great drop ball hitter at the time. So I, I did what I was told. Boom, through this drop ball. Got a ground ball to second. We turned a double play. We got out of the inning. It was <laughs> another defining moment. You had to realize that you had to put aside your ego uh, of yeah. what you thought you could do and do what's good for the team. Trust and your teammates. Yeah. That's play- yeah, that's right. Trust your teammates. Yeah. That's playoff ball, right? Yep. And and we got out of there. We uh, ended up finishing that game off. Uh, we beat uh, your fellow countrymen to, to get to the next game. We beat the U.S. and then we beat Japan in the final. And I pitched the final. So hmm. I got a Threw no hitter. quarterfinal. Huh? Yeah, you had a no-hitter there in the, in the finals against Japan. I mean, that must have been pretty crazy. Yeah, it was, and um, we we uh, that that uh, two thousand uh, world championship. I prepared myself again for that for that final. I uh, I, I tell a story about turning up there at that field two days before the the tournament started, and um, going in the dugout and trying to prepare myself and saying, "Look, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pretend like the name in the lineup in in the final." And I'm um, going to imagine them saying, going through the hitters and then and pitching tonight, Marty Grant. And I'm going to walk, I walked out to the mound, pretending like I was the announced pitcher and so that I could get rid of any nerves that I might have and uh, take myself out there. And then, yeah, 10 days later, it happened. Wow, that's neat. I was that's prepared cool. for it. Yeah. I was prepared for it. And, um, you know, yeah. Uh, if it didn't happen, or uh, um, then you know, nothing would have been lost, you know. But and again, you go back to remembering those days back when I was a seventeen-year-old and meeting that guy that was uh, yeah. pitching the ball across the pool to you, Steve Jackson, and he's mm-hmm. uh, telling you he just came back from winning a world championship. And then during the game, I just got in a, um, in a daze. I don't remember a lot of it at all. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't remember hardly any, but to be honest, um, we just had um, we just had uh, this game plan that we were going to use to get the, the Japanese left-handers out. I think they had one right-handed hitter in the lineup, and we had a plan to throw um, <coughs> throw outside uh, uh, and low-rise balls and rise balls and stop them from hitting the ball in the dirt because that's what they wanted to do, and. Um, mm-hmm. And then they try and beat it out, and struck out seventeen of them. Didn't give up a hit, and um, Man. yeah, went on to win that one. So it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a great team effort. And that's you go a, back to those little moments you remember. That's a long way, and like that goes a long way in saying how big mental preparation can be. You know what I mean? Like ten days before, you mentally prepared yourself for that moment. And then mm. you went out and did it. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's crazy. People think you're a little bit hey, well, that's uh, p- pitches to go do some stuff to you know what I mean. Oh yeah. A little bit. You gotta be a little bit uh uh be a pitcher, but because you have to you have to get rid of that failure when everyone gets a hit, you gotta get ready for the next opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was all it was was preparing for the opportunity and it failed, uh, <clears throat> really failed in 1992 where I only threw five pitches. <laughs> got the hook, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, and, and it had really tried to battle back. So it wasn't just those 10 days earlier. There'd been all of those other games that I'd been playing over 
all the other things that you do to try and prepare for it. And yeah, I guess that's how you get in the zone because I, I was also prepared to get in the zone and just deliver on what Mark was calling behind the plate and, right. and sitting, go in the dugout. No one was talking to you because you've got a no hitter going. No one's looking at you and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you're just staring out there. So it was a very quiet time during that game. So, so it was, yeah. And you just go through the battles and then, you, then there's relief and there's um, gratitude at the end of it all. And, and yeah, yeah, I understand. Oh, shivers, that's right. And you, you think about all the little things that you've done to prepare and you yeah. remind yeah. yourself and you reflect and you um, enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Sp- speaking about enjoying yeah. stuff, like 2004, you guys would win in home soil. I mean, you were in a little different role than, than 2000, but uh, I mean, I've watched that game on YouTube a fair bit. Um, that atmosphere was absolutely electric. How awesome was that? Oh, well, uh, I guess the first thing was is that we were pretty fortunate because that was the, the first ISF to be back in New Zealand since 1976. Oh, that's right too, yeah. Yeah, 1976 was the last time um, uh, an ISF was hosted in New Zealand. And it was only, uh, I mean, that was only 10 years after the first ISF was ever hosted. So 1966 was the first ever ISF, and then 10 years later, it's in a little old uh, South Pacific uh, town called Hutt Valley in New Zealand. When they brought it back to Christchurch in 2004, the anticipation by the country was huge. Yeah. Um, the, our, our country had waited so long, and from all those years in between, uh, we had never been able, they'd never been able to watch their team play in an ISF in a, in a world championship. So the the build up and and the way that they were uh, promoting it in advance, and the way that we put together our preparation for for that for those ten days were immense and that that goes a lot until we're, I mean we're in a country that lives and breathes um, rugby in first hand right yeah second hand the second thing that is most popular is uh, our national team whatever you play it could be underwater grass uh, ice hockey uh, it could be anything you could be doing anything you want as long as you're a national team they'll support you here. right um, first chance they got to uh play at home since then and so yeah the crowds were coming um great great atmosphere the the venue was uh uh great uh you were uh the fields were the spectators were right on top of the clay as you you almost touching people as you were walking from to and from the day it's mm. amazing little field they got there and then the level of the play there was um some great athletes on all the teams and the Canadian team that year was great and they were uh, they were out to knock us off our, our perch uh, yeah and our team answered the call um, um, where I, I was playing on pitching again and my it would have been my fourth championship and um, I fell over with a calf injury a, a night before the tournament, um, 
and can make the, the, the roster. So they brought in the young Thomas Cameron to, to replace me. And then the team just went on a hitting frenzy. I guess after day one, we played Samoa in the open tournament game and uh, didn't fare that well. And so day two, the team just came out and started scoring large. And we battled. We battled. We, we had Jimmy Wano, Michael Jager, and Carl Golan pitching. And Thomas Cameron, and <coughs> they were all um, rookies, first ISFs. Oh, wow. And, yeah, because none of them had had any ISF experience. And so to come into the, to that, and at home there was all sorts of pressure, and it showed we gave up a lot of runs during that tournament, but team, the team excited and uh, uh, woke the crowd up with their hitting prowess. and. Mm. And it was some great battles, great battles, fierce, fiercely competitive games against the, uh, the Canadians and against the Americans and against Australians and the Samoans. But yeah, great tournament and great to be playing in front of our home crowd. And yeah, no um, doubt. I mean, it's sad to miss uh, being on the field, but I was fortunate to be able to stay with the team and mm-hmm. and, and uh, being still in that environment. And, it was um, it was challenging. Now, yeah, I mean, we did some preparation stuff that, uh, <laughs> that uh, people wouldn't have heard of. That we probably thought we were a little bit eccentric, but it got us prepared for the environment. We we went on, we went and spent a a week with the with the army in the mountains a week before, two weeks before going away to that tournament, and they put us in some situations where we were challenged, and we had to come up with a way of finding their way out of it. And wow. Them <laughs> mentally. Yeah, you do. You yeah. To, and it's some stuff that were our program had always done. It was about taking you out of your comfort zone, making you want to find answers. And the answers were when you your mates, the people around you. And mm-hmm. It was the people that you would rely on, that you would, would literally go to war with, you know, if you wanted to fight with them. I remember um, playing with some guys that were whimpering bulls, but we, we supported them in, in situations where we were stranded on a high rope about 200 feet above a, a cliff, you know, hanging off there with a carabiner holding you onto a lifeline and had to go out and get your mate and pull him back in for a minute and rescue him. And he was like, wow, uh, thanks for coming out. He says, yeah, I wouldn't leave you here, mate. You're my teammate, you know? <laughs> wow. You, you do that, you do that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, yeah. That's, that's uh, the ultimate team builder right there. Holy I'd say. jumpings. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of it was, uh, was, I guess, how do you get, uh, the best out of someone, you know, uh, you take them out of their comfort zone. And, yeah. And, and elite athletes that are playing softball all year round, uh, it's just, you get pretty comfortable. Yep. You get pretty comfortable in that, that ball playing environment. So we had to find ways of not doing it. So we would, we would train and we would train until 10 o'clock at night. We would deprive ourselves of sleep and then we would get up early in the morning. So you would have to go and train again tired. You know? mm-hmm. And that was preparing us for a three or four game day uh, in the playoffs because that was what was going to happen. You know? Yeah, yeah. makes and, sense. Yeah, and so I'm probably letting off some uh, secrets here, but it's no secret that you've got to take people out of their comfort zone to 
to challenge them, and that's how we would get better. And uh, it's uh, it's not only taught you a little bit about the game, but it will taught yourself an immense amount about yourself. One hundred percent. Yeah. And we used to use a saying um, that um, one of the famous Kiwis, uh, a guy by the name of Edmund Hillary. Used and he, he climbed Mount Everest, right? He's the first dude to climb Mount Everest. You might not have heard of him, but he he was. Okay. And he said, um, "The the mountain's not the challenge. I'm the challenge. I've got to I've got to get, get myself up there. Yeah. The mountain's not the challenge at all. It's just it's me. And mm-hmm. um, that's how he made it. He 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 bettered himself so that he could do the climbing. And that's how yeah. we used to use that to drive ourselves. Man. It's crazy. Yeah. The, the things to motivate people, man. That's yeah. it's unreal. Uh, yeah. We're gonna have to try something like that. Maybe we'll just send everybody into the mall without a mask on right now or something. <laughs> <laughs> and pull them out. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> oh my god. So uh, before we get to the, the final thing here, Marty, I gotta ask about uh twenty fifteen. You'd be inducted to the softball hall New Zealand Hall of Fame. How special was that for you? So um I guess uh, some of the things that you remember uh, uh, when you get that phone call or that that letter saying that you're going to be inducted um, and entices some crazy memories and some really um, specific times and then you try and fill it all in with all the other stuff. So it was a huge time to, I guess, reflect and think about where it all started, what you did during the middle, and and how it may have ended. I um, I I wanted to try and remember all the stuff and and all of the the, the people and and be grateful to them. Uh, I wanted to also, uh, yes, remind myself of some of the learnings. And I, I I took up a coaching career quite early in my my life too. Randy and mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to be able to pass on the stuff that I'd been uh, given the opportunity to learn. You there? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, great feeling. Um, <clears throat> but also, uh, I, I I had an opportunity to I guess have a look to it and see who who else had made their way into the to that uh, that place that the, the hello. They they uh, call the Hall of Fame, and then be also mm-hmm. really really grateful. And one of the coach still still coach these days. Don't don't uh, um, have a lot to do with softball anymore, unfortunately, because um, I've uh, chosen a different path over the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm now a, a fledging um, a baseball coach. Yeah, your son's um, in baseball, is he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's um, been uh, occupying a lot of my time. I run a, I run a, uh, we run a club here in my hometown of Nelson, and uh, we do development and we do uh, in school program and we we travel around a lot to try and get them to play uh, in competition. So right. we've got around about a hundred kids that play in this little uh, competition league here in my hometown, and. Um, trying to make sure that I utilize all the things that I've learned through the years and they transfer over to baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the technical side of stuff is, is somewhat different. Uh, but um, yeah, the, 
the psychological and the, the commitment and the understanding of working and communication and all that sort of stuff is, is still the same. So um, I learned through that through my, my, I guess, my my Hall of Fame career. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and that's what you're really grateful for. Yeah. And being able to share it on and pass it on. And um, I, I still do a little bit of coaching. I've got, right, right now I've got a couple of my nephews that are staying with me. Um, they've come down here for their Christmas break. They're, they're softball pitchers. They play. They're my uh, eldest brother's two sons. Okay, right on. Um, we're just building a a, a program for uh, one of the sixteen-year-olds. He's about six foot five, and he's a pitcher. Oh. He's uh, <laughs> got the big long arms and the long limbs, and he wants to be a softball pitcher. He's a, a prospect for the New Zealand under uh, eighteen national team. Uh, that's going to hopefully play in a world championship in the next uh, year. It's like another uh, cheese out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a right-handed cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's uh, he's a big kid. And um, so uh, we, we sat down over the last few days <laughs> and I said, what have you been doing? Uh, and we, we talked. It took three hours uh, sitting down and going over what he'd been doing. And, you know, I, I – uh, with the help of my son, who I've trained since he was six years old, who's uh, he's um he's about to go to uh, Arizona to play. He's got a, con- uh, a scholarship at a university in Arizona nice. in August, so he's he's going to play college baseball. Oh, good for he's, him! He's uh, going. Uh, yeah, we sat down and with his his cousin and myself, and we uh, we mapped out a plan, and um, it started with uh, running. It started with some work on your core. And, and it started with us drawing up a plan and accepting it. So um, we're in day two. He hates me. Uh, <laughs> uh, he went for his second run this morning, came back, and he's collapsed a couple of times already during the day because he thinks I'm trying to kill him. Uh, I'm, I'm not doing that at all. Uh, uh, I, I reminded him that um, yeah. the feeling of uh, not being selected on that team, uh, we, we talked about as one of his goals. I asked him how it would feel. If he didn't make that team, he, and I said, no, I mean it. How would it feel? And uh, he said, no, I don't know how it would feel. And I said, no, you don't because it would feel so bad and you don't want to have that bad feeling. Right. So I'll tell you how bad it is. It's where you, you won't want to get out of bed and you won't want to go and play with your teammates and you think, shit, I've been so lazy and I haven't done enough. Uh, and someone else has got my spot. And if you yeah. want to have that feeling, you continue to do what you do or we – Accept this plan that we're putting together for you, and it starts today. Yeah, and it, it was yesterday, and today's day two. And um, the pain will go away, the physical pain goes away, as you, you guys know. You're yeah. four players, so it's the mental challenges of, of uh, turning down the sacrifices and, right. and all that sort of stuff. And so, that's my that's as that's my limited involvement with, with softball at the moment. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. Twenty years from now, he'll be he'll be thanking you for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess now it's about him sticking with it and challenging himself. Like, yep. uh, like the mountain climber said, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not the game that's going to beat you; it's yourself. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. we have a little thing we we like to end the podcast with. It's called player association. I'm going to throw some names to you, and you talk about you know, as much or as little about them as you want and, you know, give some memories about them. Certainly. All right. First one, uh, you mentioned him early on, uh, Jerry Wells. 
Yeah, so Jerry Wells, um, oh, look, he was 50 years old when I met the fella. And I was playing with his two sons. He, he, uh, I'd heard and read all about him uh, when I first went to Prescott, Arizona, and played on the team that brought him back out of retirement. Uh, uh, he hadn't pitched, I think, for something like 12 or 15 years. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to say that I was very grateful. Uh, rest in peace, Jerry Wells. He was um, a man that uh, that taught me a, a, a lot about, uh, I guess, handling the pressures of being on the mound during game time. And I hadn't had a lot of that sort of training or tuition at the time, and so helped uh, helped set me up for for the rest of my career. So really grateful and a, a great man. Right on, right on. Uh, next, we have uh, Michael White. Best pitcher in the world ever. Um, uh, best pitching performance in the world ever. 1996 perfect game, ISF final mm -hmm. against a very good Canadian team. That was unreal. Um, <laughs> unreal, and yeah. oh, I'd love to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, sure. I still remember uh, the pregame. So Chubb and I are relief. Chubb, Tonga, and I are in relief for, the, for that game. Uh, Whitey had pitched earlier in the playoffs. He gave up a two-run shot uh, against Venezuela. He beat them 3-2 uh, to win that game. Um, and Whitey, um, the next day, I think it was the next day in that game, um, he's warming up. Mark Sorensen, this true story, comes, uh, he's warming him up and he's going, you guys better get ready. He's got nothing on it. It's, uh, it's barely getting here. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, I'm not lying. You can ask him. Michael... Uh, White uh, wouldn't have heard that, but Sorensen told that us. That, so we went to the bullpen. We were in the bullpen the whole game. We were in the <laughs> bullpen warming up the whole entire game. So we weren't in the dugout to enjoy it. And he had that ball working. And oh that, my God. Um, they had that ball working. And so, I mean, there was a few line drives. There was some great plays of defense too. I, I must admit, they were hitting some shots, but we came up on defense and. Uh, I think you go about seven or eight strikeouts. It wasn't a, uh, but that's how you win those games, eh? By playing defense. And mm -hmm. he did that. Michael White also was someone that was better prepared than anyone I'd met. And I'd, I'd match him. I'd say I would have matched him as I got later on in my career because I learned from him right. about how to prepare, uh, how to prepare mentally, how to prepare physically. So Michael White was, um, the Anders is still one yeah. of the most astute pitchers uh, in the game and an absolute um, softball champion mind, a champion softball mind, and very, very, very astute. Awesome. Uh, two more here. Uh, Mark Sorensen. Yeah, Brutus. Um, Brutus. He was in that team in 1984 that, um, that won that ISF with the, the pitcher Steve Jackson that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. He was 16 years old when he made that team. He was the guy that everyone wanted to emulate and make that squad. So he was a driver for a lot of young guys mm. um, our age. Um, he's a little bit younger than me um, to, to aspire to. Mark was a perfectionist uh, as far as his playing ability and his uh, application and his preparation uh, and had expectations of himself, but also of his teammates. Um, and he, when he wanted to, he'd let his hair down, very seldom, he'd let his hair down and become 
uh, a good uh, guy to hang out with and have some fun with, but very serious uh, <laughs> on that. And didn't like to do to let us go down too often. But um, a leader uh, and yeah, another great mind, uh, but also yeah, just just someone that people would look up to and. Uh, you'd want to follow in his footsteps if you wanted to get anywhere. Right on. Last but not least, uh, Chubb Tangerall. Yeah. So um, that fella, um, <laughs> we uh, we hung out a bit too off the field as well as on the field, uh, Chubb, over the years and still do. Um, nice. Uh, I make an effort to go and see him uh, whenever I can and we enjoy each other's company. Um, Chubb, uh, was someone that had immense talent. Chubb um, was was not necessarily uh, he had such amazing talent that he could get away with his talent, getting them through uh, and getting results for him. And so, one of the things that uh, I used to do is a shit. I, I, I'm not I'm not as good as him. I'm not physically as talented as him, but I'm, I'm going to have to do the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I used to run alongside him and try and get the same results uh, never really did uh, well maybe later on I did but I but I, w- I was aspiring to to hang with him right. he was the guy that I want to hang with and I think he respected me because of that um, he used to tell me off when I used to go and show him up by going and doing running and doing gym work when he would sit down and watch he was very good at that but he didn't like to run <laughs> he didn't like to do gym training he liked to pitch to train and I'd I had to run. I had to do the train. I had to do the extra stuff. All the he hated stretching, but he was a great, great talent and and great fun to be around. So uh, I, I love him and his family. I have so much respect for him. He, he has a great heart, and um, we'll, we'll catch up still in, in the future and see a lot of each other. Um, he's got a, a young uh, son, Norpeter, that's uh, competing against my nephew. Uh, for one of those jobs on that national team. So right we'll probably uh, get to see each other um, again through the, the uh, through the traps if I get to catch up and watch my son, uh, my nephew Ethan um, go on and play uh, international level. But uh, yeah, we're still great friends and have a lot to do with them. And I, and I like to see and, and talk about it and have a huge amount of respect for that man. That's awesome. What a great way to end it. Yeah. Marty, man, yeah. I we got to thank you for coming on. This, uh, you know, not only are you a big part of the game down in New Zealand, but here in North America, but across the world, you really are. So we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. And um, the, uh, the the seldom times that you get to talk, softball uh, is a privilege. Uh, uh, I guess you can only tell your, your son and your your wife's stories before they they turn off, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and the opportunity to have them, I guess, recorded, and so they're, they're there for life is is interesting. Uh, when you think about it, you can go back and and refer to some of the stuff that that's been said by all the greats that you you speak to. Yeah. Uh, is is an opportunity for people to learn, and so I, th- I thank you for that opportunity to share. And I uh, hope that it's, uh, the Canadian winters are good to you. And I wish all the best to uh, all the North American ball players and the, the community of listeners. And, and and thank you for the opportunity today. All right, Marty. Thank Appreciate you, Marty. it, pal. Take care. Take care of yourself. Yeah, thank you. All right. See you later.
See you. Awesome stuff, man. Fantastic. Man, Marty. Marty memory. Marty and Todd. I guess it has to go with the, like the I'm Marty, going, yeah. Marty, Marty, Marty's. <laughs> Maybe it's Marty. Memory. Holy cow. Like, memory Grant. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, nice fantastic, man. Yeah, okay. that was awesome. Yeah. And I love hearing the mental side of the stuff. Yeah, uh, 100%. That, and, you know, about being prepared and, and reloading, especially what I listened to, like when he said, you pitch to the batter, whatever happens, happens, you reload for the next one. Exactly, exactly. And that's what we talk to kids about a lot. It, and it doesn't matter if it's pitching, it's pitching, batting, fielding. Yeah. You make an error, you forget about it, you reload and you got to get the next one. 100%, guy yeah. I love hearing that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And one thing I didn't get to get to because, you know. Because we've time. been on here for, for one hour and seven and a hundred minutes. But. <laughs> Just joking. One thing I didn't get to get to. Get to get to. Get to get to. Marty's last 10 years yeah. playing, he would run for 25 minutes to a half an hour prior to warm, warming up. <laughs> what? He would run for 25 to 30 minutes. Wow. Imagine. Like, no. No. <laughs> no. I'd be like, man, where's the beer cooler? Man, we get tired driving to the game 25 <laughs> know, minutes away. Right? <laughs> man, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that's but, crazy. Uh, yeah. He was dedicated to it. Oh, 100%. But he, and, and again... He also said, you got to put the work in yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So yeah. And the thing about, the you know, them going with the, with the army there and, and yeah. doing their, you know, yeah. team building. I mean, that's great. What if they left anybody behind? <laughs> Man, I never liked that guy anyway. <laughs> yeah. You're left behind. Sorry, Harv. Yeah. <laughs> Harv, we love you. Oh, Craig. But, uh, uh, yeah. you know, another thing before before we get going, I had to say uh, one thing I had to laugh. I almost burst out laughing when, when we started. Marty was saying about, you know, that I was a pitcher and everything. Yeah. And I said I had Kitchener in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. I would laugh as well. Yeah. Sorry, Dino. <laughs> anyway, bring uh, up Kitchener again, you son of a bitch. I know. I had to. Yeah. Anyway, that was great. That was awesome. Uh, Good episode. Ambassador uh, again to the game. Love that guy. One hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and keep on liking and sharing our page and uh, hope that everybody enjoys the uh, the beginning of twenty twenty two and and let's look forward to a a better year this year than twenty twenty one was. Absolutely. Stay healthy. Stay friendly. Be happy. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Classify. Take care, everyone. That's right.
dark place, this could be your way of life It's a feeling that could make you nice I'm trying to take these people higher It don't matter if you're afraid of heights right, 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 it's like that back massage It's a bachelor party over your last hurrah Feels good, don't it? Good, don't Enjoy it while you can Cause this all stops when the record ends The three types of people I know that tell the truth Kids, drunks, and those who nothing to lose I'm on my last drink though, but got no weed to smoke Oh, just found a join in the seat of my coach That's a grand slam Downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted? Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902 499 5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902 499 5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. <laughs> 